In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. We're back. Who needs a Super Bowl when we've got the Browns off-season to talk about? And that's right. We had a day off uh, for Paul to go wild and chat about everything. And he was partying. But now we're back. We've done quarterbacks. We've done running backs. So if you're like, oh, I miss those shows, jump back. You might want to listen to those first. But today, wide receivers. Big discussion topic for lots of Browns fans. And I'm joined by Mark. My man, Ian, right, right, right. How are you? I'm good. It's Super Bowl Sunday. So why not talk about the Browns Super Bowl, which is, of course, the offseason because we've never played in the actual Super Bowl. But hopefully that comes sooner than later, right? But yeah, we're here to talk about everybody's favorite position, the wide receivers. Without a doubt, the second most valuable position on a team after the quarterback. People might try and argue that, but I'm, I'm definitely in that boat because, hey, if you want to elevate your quarterback, what is going to do it is wide receivers. Just have to look at Burrow and Chase. Um, I only wish they would have taken Penny Saul and uh, we wouldn't have to worry about the Bengals. All right, I have a question. Do people conflate the word valuable and impactful here? Because is it, in fact, the second most valuable or is it the second most impactful? Because I can make an argument that those two words mean something different. Because we all know, we all know number one, number one, most impactful, impactful and valuable is the quarterback. But if you don't have an offensive line, I don't care what wide receivers you have. They're not getting open, right? If you don't have the threat of a running game, you're not getting them. You're not getting them open. If you don't have a defense that can make a play, right? So there's other, to me, valuable pieces, but impactful. I would argue, yes, a good receiver in a good system is insanely impactful. If you gave me average at every other position, if you if you have an elite quarterback, let's say you have Patrick Mahomes and everyone else is just average. We're not talking like replacement level. We're talking, hey, it's your throw hole, say, as a guard. It's like they're, they're guys that they can do their jobs. They're not world beaters. They're your constant middle of the road, like your Jacoby Brissett's. Imagine you've got a whole army of Jacoby Brissett's everywhere else. If you're going to ha- sign one guy, it, it, it'd be a no-brainer. I'm, I'm, I'm going and getting the best wide receiver in the NFL. I would agree if we're all – because we're set as much as we want to, you know, kind of put a label on him. He did play pretty much right around league average, if not a little bit better, right? So I'm not going to – I don't know off the top of my head, but I do know if you look at the drop this year, we'll use the Bengals. And the Bengals' offensive line performance from last year when they made it to the Super Bowl versus this year, there was a precipitous drop-off in terms of what they were doing. And the odd part is, is they went out and got the, you know, the free agents. And one of the reasons I would argue that they did not make the Super Bowl this year was because of what the Chiefs did to Joe Burrow. With all those very impactful receivers, they were able to neutralize them by constantly getting pressure. You know, there was a couple breakdowns in film where you saw why burrow was throwing interceptions because of the pressure so 
I think you, you're to your point, you need to have that league average or a little bit better before you can come out and say, because like, if you have a, a unit that's say deficient in that sense, and you say they're below average, you have a below average offensive line. I think it has a huge impact on these impactful positions like the wide receiver. Yeah. And no, I think it's one way you chase, you chase average to above average everywhere other than if you say what's the most important positions, there's five of them. It's quarterback, it's wide receiver. You could say left tackle, you could say edge, and you can say corner um, because, hey, they're all the spots that impact the passing game. You want to hear something crazy? Go for it. The Bengals pass block. I just went on PFF, right? Just an easy little summary, right? Everybody in the league. PFF, Cincinnati Bengals pass blocking grade. Where do they rank out of 32? I'm going to say about bang in the middle. 31st. They were second to last. And the crazy part is look at the other teams around them. Titans. It goes Titans were the worst. Then Bengals, Jets, Dolphins, Texans, Saints, Commanders, Giants, Rams. Wow. Now in run blocking, where do the Bengals stack up? Eighth. 21st. So they were 21st out of 32 in, pa- in run blocking and 31 out of 32 in pass blocking. And I think that's when you talk about this impact and the Browns are in this unique position. That's why we can kind of talk about wide receivers because the Browns run blocking were eighth and the Browns pass blocking were sixth. So they have two top 10 units now, not number one, number one, like they were a couple of years ago. And I get that. But in the same sense, you go back to the 2021 season, when you look at the pass blocking, the Bengals were 29th, right? And then in run blocking, the Bengals were 21st or 20th. So they were just a couple notches higher. And that just shows you the difference between a unit falling a couple spots. The grades are a little bit different and them, how it impacts what your project is. Cause the Bengals in this case, obviously made the AFC championship game, but couldn't make it to the Super Bowl. So for the Browns, these wide receivers, I think that we're going to talk about, I think have a chance to be very impactful on a team because we have the Jacoby Brissett type of, you know, units all around. I mean, Urban used to talk about this all the time, nine units strong. You need to be nine units strong because if one of your units is deficient, that's where you leak the most water. You know, obviously if it's a special teams unit, it's not as impactful, but if it's one of these offensive ones, wide receivers, running backs, quarterback is the biggest one. Obviously that's the engine, so to say. You can you can really take on some water and sink your ship. So in all of that, that's our pre-setup too. The wide receivers. Jack, what is the current state of the Cleveland Browns wide receiver room? I'll ask a question, and this is one for everyone at home as well as yourself. So I have a little pause before you answer me straight away in. How many wide receivers, and we have zero free agents in this room, how many wide receivers are currently under contract with the Cleveland Browns? So I have a think, allow people to pause to think, hmm, how many is it? And then I'll go to Ian for his answer. I think... I think we have a few. I can think of at least four because we have to include uh, Grant, right? He's under contract. Yep. I'm going to say six off the top of my head. Double it. Twelve. It's twelve currently under contract. Twelve under contract. In my head, I'm like, wait, I can't think of any that aren't because obviously they signed in the reserves and stuff like that. I get it. Yeah. Listen, I think there's no doubt people – value the importance of the position, right? I think that when you have, you know, a quarterback with projected play, like you think Deshaun Watson is going to bring you and you no know, people can argue top two, top five, top 10, whatever it is, you need to have at least top 12 years is top eight. 
I think top 12, at least as worst case scenario, he has the ability per se to elevate those receivers. Look at Kansas city, right? Kansas city comes in, loses Tyreek Hill, brings in Marquez Valdez Scantling. I think on paper, everybody would go, Oh, that's a horrendous drop off. Well, they're in the Super Bowl, right? They're receivers of Juju Smith Schuster, Justin Watson, you know, Marquez Valdez Scantling, but they have Travis Kelsey. So it's like you got you got to have one area where you're dominant, and then obviously you look over at the Eagles and they just have studs all around it wide out. When we played them in the preseason, remember we were like, we'll take their wide receiver five. You know, it's like so, but yeah, twelve. Wow, that 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 shocks me. Honestly, it does. So let's look at some names. We'll start with what I call the locks. These are guys I feel over ninety nine percent sure that they're going to be on the roster bar a trade or something miraculous. So we've got Cooper. He's got two years left. Each at 20 million is what the cash they're going to pay. So, um, hey, he proved it last year. He's a 20 million dollar wide receiver, um, but he's only got two years left. I don't see him here after that. Um, you in agreement there? Yes. Yes. Next up, we've got DPJ, um, who I went into last season thinking, hey, I'm happy with him as a three, but is he a two? And quite frankly, he had a really, really good year. Um, he, he's limited. He's never going to be a, a wide receiver one. Um, but I think he's sort of a middle of the road th- two or a top eight three. And I think he's in that sort of, he's an average two, but if you hand him as your three, because you've got someone else in as a two, then he is at a top end of the wide receiver threes. I think the Donovan Peoples-Jones, Gabe Davis comparisons are pretty accurate, right? If you put Gabe Davis on a team with Colt McCoy, he's not Gabe Davis. If you put him on a team with Josh Allen, he can have that playoff game with 10 catches, 200 yards, and three touchdowns. I think Donovan Peoples-Jones is of that same, right? You catch him, they're sleeping, boom, you hit him over the top. Because Davis is a 4-4 guy too, right? It, 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 he was a later draft pick. He's not Stephon Diggs. I think that's kind of what you're looking at for that. You're right. He's a wide receiver too. He's not the Anquan Bolden type of wide receiver too, but he can give you that ability if in certain matchups, right? If all of a sudden we're going up against a team that has a deficient corner, we're confident that he's going to be able to dominate for five, six catches and a hundred yards and maybe a big one over the top. Yep. Um, and then the third up is Bell. He's the only one other other one I consider a lock. Um, haven't seen much out of him so far. I think he's just going to be a solid sort of fourth wide receiver, probably on a roster. Um, and that, hey, he could develop beyond that, but I would say that's where he should be going into next season. Yeah, I think he's your prototypical. He's got to make sure he secures the ball. You know, he was very well known for his hands in college. He's got to make sure he can become a possession receiver, a reliable third down target. If if he can only take to the strength and training, and I'm not saying that you can completely night and day switch your agility abilities, but if he all of a sudden becomes a little bit quicker on his feet and a little bit more explosive, you know, having him run out of that slot position with his route intricacies, you could see him in that kind of Cole Beasley type of role. You know, he's Beasley isn't somebody that's going to blow you away with speed, but he's got the brain power to understand how to set up a route, you know, how to break off of a stem, whether it's an option route or read route, a dig route, you know, these type of things. If I'm running a mesh over the middle, I don't collide into people. I think Bell has that type of intelligence and can provide those crucial third down catches you needed in crunch time. And one thing I would say about people, especially within the draft community and once Bell was picked. It was a perfect pick for the Browns. He's NFL ready. He's going to come in. He doesn't have a high ceiling, but he can hit the ground running week one. 
And it was all the stuff we heard. And it's the same narrative people give to players of, hey, you should draft older because the, the ceiling's not as high, but they're wide receiver ready or exposition ready week one. And what did we see? Nothing week one. It was one that he, he's going to take some time to develop. So I think the narrative that if you draft a guy that's older or played lots more in college, they're instantly going to be better, doesn't really actually stack out. Um, I just wanted to yeah. have that jibe in there. It, it depends on the coaching, right? I, I think that if all of a sudden I'm taking a guy who's 22, 23, but maybe he had a weird first year at Ohio State. And I always say that because they have Brian Hartline, right? And then all of a sudden you're coming out of the draft, you're 22 and a half, but I know you played three years under Brian Hartline. And I've seen you have the ability to understand route concepts and route trees. And I've seen you run, you know, I was having this discussion the other day on Twitter regarding wideouts. There's a difference between stats and skills. In college, it's almost impossible to compare stats, right? Josh Downs at North Carolina and Quinton Johnson at TCU. Like it doesn't matter the stats. Two completely different offenses, two completely different roles, two completely different quarterbacks. Max Duggan is, you know, not Drake May. So a lot of times don't look at necessarily how many stats they put up in college. How many different routes did they run? You know, how many different sevens, eights, nines? Understand what a route tree is. Am I hitting a deep post, a corner, a dig, a curl, a flat, you know, an option, a comeback? If only, this is my issue with Drake London. If the only way you win in college is on one route, you're not going to quickly transition to the NFL game. That's why Chris Olave was one that I was like, this guy, he may not have this boom ceiling, but we knew this guy can run seven different routes out of a stem and dominate at him. So you knew he was going to be able to step in and contribute day one. Garrett Wilson didn't run as many as Olave, but he ran five really well. Like you looked at him, you're like, all right, I know I can hit this guy in a post on a dig on a curl on a flat in a corner. So you're like, all right, I can cover all of these routes. When you come in as a one-trick pony, you're in trouble. And that's, I think, where a lot of times we look at David Bell and you're like, all right, you're very good at a, a four, five, and six route. That's it. That was what he ran at Purdue. He ran curls and comebacks, flats, maybe a dig. That was about it. So nothing was over the top. Comes in the NFL, guys play, you know, basically behind him. So he's got to learn. He's got to learn. Yeah, and I'd say next up, most likely to make the roster is Woods. Um, lots of people have said, hey, he should be a lock, but... I can't give him a lock status when we've got five people in this bubble category for me. And if they had a free agent, they had one guy in the draft. Well, that's five guys battling for one spot. I'm not at the position where I'm like, he's definitely a lock because if he's not a lock, all the other names you're about to mention, you're saying have less than a 1% chance of making the roster. So um, I think Woods has got a good shot of making a team. They want to continue developing, but he's got a battle for it in camp and prove that he's worthy of hanging around. Yeah, he's kind of that Kadarius Tony, right? That little like blend, shift, speed, slot type of guy. He could be one that I think maybe a little bit more development. He He's a guy I think was a little raw coming out of Oklahoma. You saw a couple flashes. You liked his quick, titch, quick, quick twitch abilities and his kind of short area burst speed. Obviously, he was hindered by the hamstring, but I think the most we heard about him was how he was really available in red zone to kind of, maybe get open off of the, off the release. So Woods is a guy, I think maybe they'll keep him around, but I could necessarily, I couldn't, I could see them. I cannot talk today, putting him maybe on a practice squad for another year, but I think he's going to come around. I think he's towards the higher end of this bubble. Cause I think some of the guys coming in here behind are at a disadvantage. 
Yeah, and he had 10 targets and caught five of them. We're not talking about anything. We've not seen anything. Um, and when there's only two wide receivers in the room, there should have been the opportunity. And uh, he's not got there. So I'm going to pair the next two guys. So we've got Jakeem Grant and Darden. Um, and I think there's potential for those two battling for the same spot. Jakeem Grant, 3.125 million off the top of my head is what he's due this year in cash. And they can walk away and not pay any of that. So I think there's a good chance that they might, they could cut early. They could leave him there and battle all the way through camp and try and prove that he's on there. Because you, for that amount of money, you need to prove that you can be a contributory wide receiver. You are not getting paid that just to be a, a returns guy as your sixth wide receiver on the depth chart. So I, I think it's unlikely. The injury, do you expect him to be as twitchy and as electric? Probably not. With with Grant, it's going to come down to two things. He has one thing playing in his advantage, and that's Mike Prefer's back. As far as we understand, Prefer's back. That seems like a guy that Prefer said, hey, give me that guy. The second is the medicals, right? The question is, is he going to be as dynamic as he was in Chicago after this injury, right? And that's going to come down. They gave him the full year, you know, so it shouldn't be like the Odell Beckham type of thing where it happened midseason or late in the season. It should be one of those ones where we'll know pretty early in camp whether he still has it, and that's going to determine it because he needs to provide uh, a value on in the wideout room, but he also needs to provide a larger uh, value in the special teams room. Yeah, and Darden, I think, someone that you can get to do that on the cheaper. Um, he, he had some okay returns late in the season. Um, I'll throw the other two names out there. Schwartz, I think his time's done. It's worth bringing him back to camp because it could all come together this offseason. Um, he could show out. I don't think it's likely, but I'm willing to take that gamble for the sake of who on earth are you actually going to replace him with between now and training camp? Some guy that you've never heard of. So it, it makes no sense when people are like, I'll oh, just cut that guy. It's like, well, why? Um, and the other one's Dimitri Felton. I don't expect him to be around. Could they be, he be someone they stick on a practice squad? Maybe, um, but I, I don't expect to see much of him, not even as sort of the fourth running back. Um, he's been a wide receiver now. I think 100% of snaps were um, out the backfield. Um, and I think he had like 17% or 13% in his first year. So to call him a running back is pretty disingenuous. Yeah, I think Grant Schwartz and Felton all kind of hold that same role. Darden even as well. He's the guy they obviously brought in late from Tampa. So these are all these returners, shifty, woods. I mean, they're all the same kind of guy, right? They're not your big imposing red zone target. So if they do keep, I mean, you're probably keeping two out of that that group at most, and that includes even practice squad slots. But, you know, they obviously brought in Darden. So if Grant's in, Darden, he's out, right? Schwartz, if Schwartz can't provide any value catching the ball, I don't see what value he brings. You know, right, they bring him back for camp, and then maybe he's an exodus pretty early. But, yeah, I can't see him keeping more than two guys out of that room from that yeah. group, so to say. Yeah, it's two guys, but if they add one free agent and one uh, draft pick, then uh, it's suddenly one guy. Um, and then yeah, just that's the even maybe putting Woods on the practice squad, right? So maybe we're talking they keep six wide receivers and then bump one to the practice squad. So Woods would then, in essence, get cut, or maybe a hamstring. Who knows? You know how they kind of fudge guys onto it. Yeah, no, it's certainly uh, one that could be in play. We've got four more guys. We've got Baldwin, Hartley, uh, Stevenson, and Weston. Weston obviously spent last year on IR. Baldwin, people have said, oh, why is he not in the bubble category? For me, if they were that impressed, he did have that one really good game, they'd have left him on the 53 roster. The fact that they allowed him to go back to the practice squad said, 
we're not that convinced with him. Um, so little pieces of information like that are really worth keeping an eye on because that tells you what a team thinks of a player. Because they put him on the 53, no one else can touch him. Listen, I love Browns fans. I do. Okay. They fell in love with Dalen Baldwin. He comes in. I think he makes two catches for 25 yards. And everybody's like, I hate to break the news, guys. 32 teams in the NFL have two of him on every roster, right? So there's always a guy or two guys that come in and make a catch or two. They're just not consistent. That's why the Browns felt confident saying, listen, we're going to release him because no team's going to just go over the moon at Dalen Baldwin. Is he a nice little piece? He's going to come in, make a couple catches in preseason. I'm sure. No. And if anything, you've got Stevenson um, was that guy for uh, the bills. They were, they were quite high on him, and but they were like, Oh, we've, we're happy to lose him because we, we've got this guy instead. So um, you just roll through him. So that's kind of the guys on the roster. We're going to touch on trades, and it's not one we're really going to cover with the different positions, but wide receivers are hot topic. So I'm going to throw three old dudes out there first. We've got Hopkins. We've got Lockett. We've got Cooks. Um, they're kind of the, the names people bang around. I don't see any of them as realistic. The Browns are already spending $7 million um, on wide uh, seven, they have seven players on offense that are earning ten million or more. I can't see them adding another one, so I'd I'd kind of just rule them out as a group. Yeah, I don't. I mean, listen, I think everybody makes the natural connection between DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun Watson, but at the end of the day, it's just it, the financials don't make sense with Amari Cooper being there. That, and I think, like all receivers, I mean, listen, I'm not taking away and saying DeAndre Hopkins isn't one of the better receivers in the league. But we know that his decline is more imminent than it is. Like he is on the downside of his prime. That's that's just a fact and reality. I think everybody that's been 25 that's now 30 understands the difference in how you feel, recovery times. You're more likely to get injury. Tyler Lockett, another one. This is a guy that's just later in his career. Is he going to provide the same value to the Browns as you saw in 2017 with the Seahawks? No, he's not. It's just... I get the names and I get that every time that a, a potential name is mentioned on Twitter, everybody's like, Oh, this guy would be great for the Browns. So it's like, okay, we're not getting chase young. We're not getting every other wide receiver that's getting released. It's like, guys, just pump the brakes. Like we're not, I get it. Is it fun sometimes to look at trade scenarios? Like, you know, this guy, that guy. Yeah. It's fun. Sometimes I get it, but no, none of those three guys are interesting. None of those three guys are going to be in the Browns uniform next year. So next I'm going to throw a guy out and that's Jerry Judy, of the Broncos. Yeah. It was rumored around a second round pick at the trade deadline is what they were willing to consider, but no one matched it. Um, I think this is an intriguing one. I think it's a lot less likely now Peyton's there because he's going to want to deliver in year one and you're not going to, I don't think he's going to think big picture, but it might be something that they've brought him in and gone, actually, we need to rebuild this roster and he's going to be the one to sort of turn it into his image. So it could be that he's looking for picks and other assets and, Maybe they trade Newsom somewhere else and then use the pick from Newsom to trade for Judy. Uh, there's loads of different ways they can go. Wills, they could trade Wills off and then use that pick there, or always Wills to the Broncos. Um, there is different stuff. What makes it financially viable is he's cheap this year. Next year is a fifth round, a uh, fifth year option, and then you could give him that sort of twenty million a year, three year deal that lots of wide receivers have got. And suddenly, hey, you've got five years of a wide receiver averaging about 15 million a year. It's a lot more palatable as a deal um, because it is so backloaded. So unlike the old guys, I don't think they get in this sweepstake, but it, it, it is feasible financially compared to the rest. 
Yeah. And, and listen, Denver's in a situation where they obviously they paid Cortland Sutton. Now they're kind of going through a little bit of an offensive, you know, transformation going from Nathaniel Hackett to Sean Payton. I get the idea and why everybody talked about um, Judy. The problem I had was I have a funny feeling that more guys' names are discussed at the trade deadline than we ever think. And Judy, I think, was just a name that got out. Like, I don't think the Broncos were ever seriously considering it because they never got an offer that made them seriously. They Do they put out to the teams, hey, listen, if you guys want to call about Judy, obviously our team's in, in the tank. Call, let us know what you got. If all of a sudden somebody, maybe the Chiefs come out with a first-round pick, oh, okay. Second-round picks, yeah, we kind of want a top 50, right? We looking at the draft order, your tick 64. No, sorry, we're not really all that interested. That's how these conversations go with tons of teams. I mean, DJ Moore had it before they signed extension. And the idea that, like, Newsom, you know, I had mentioned that a while ago, but, like, Denver doesn't need corners. They have Patrick Sertain, who has drafted 15 picks ahead of Greg Newsom. So you would not have two corners both drafted in the first round of the same year because you'd have to pay them at the exact same time. That doesn't make any sense. So I get why people are interested in Judy, but he's not coming to Cleveland. I would, I'm even on your side. They're not trading him. Why would they trade him? Because they could realistically keep him cheap for two more years, then tag him for one year and then do something if they wanted. Like they really could keep him for three more years. It, it kind of comes down to if Peyton's got a vision for what he wants and he's like, hey, get rid of this guy. I want my wide receiver. I'm going to go get in the draft in the second round and I, I know what I'm doing. And you get overconfidence when people come in with lots of power. And so there is always that kind of stuff. But I think it's unlikely he's moved now less than he was. If, if they'd have kept the regime in place, there was more likely to be a change. So we'll go to the fifth one. And this one, I think, is slightly more realistic. This is Elijah Moore. Um, a, a name that the Browns were interested in when it came to the initial draft. And I think he'd been the pick over JOK. Um, and that's one that I, I, I think could make a lot of sense. It's just going to be, what does it cost again? I don't see them giving up a third round pick, which I think that sort of late third would probably get the deal done. If you were going to do players, hey, people don't like this, but I would give up JOK in a heartbeat. Um, I can go and get, spend four million and get a line, a, will linebacker in free agency that could do just as well as him um and hey I, I i will always keep bringing in more talent on the offensive side of the ball if i can cheaply replace it on the defense all right here's my question if if the jets go out and get aaron Rodgers, elijah moore stays right i believe so yeah so here's the question the realistic trade target from the jets is likely like Denzel Mims. Those are the, that that's the person you need to. If the Jets are going to trade somebody, they're going to trade Denzel Mims. And listen, you guys out there in Browns world can get as excited as you want about Denzel Mims. I won't be one of them. I assure you of that. Um, you know, other guys I've heard. You know, I don't know if Tampa looks at kind of maybe purging some of their guys. We've talked about Evans and Godwin. You know, some of the other guys. It's, I think it's going to be overpay. You know, if the Browns go out and give out, you know, maybe a late round pick for like a Kendrick Bourne, I know I've brought him up. These are the guys that I don't mind if you're giving up day three late conditional picks or pick swaps, right? Move seventh to six, six to seventh, and you throw in a player. Okay, I get it. Those are the type of moves I think are more realistic. Yeah, and I think Browns fans saw the Amari Cooper trade and, hey, we got this great guy for a fifth round pick and they've kind of just gone, oh, we'll get, do another one fifth round pick. The thing that people look at is the fifth round pick. If he wasn't a, a um, 
trade candidate and they signed him in free agency and paid 20 million, Browns fans' views of Amari Cooper would be entirely different. This would be this super expensive, I, I believe the most expensive free agent that um, Cleveland's ever signed as a team. And then expectations are through the roof. Whereas it's the kind of the the fifth has just confused people. And the reason why he was a fifth is because he was getting cut regardless. And that's what forced the price down, where all the teams around the NFL were like, Man, you can't yeah, ask you, much for it. It was a fifth and the contract, right? Dallas was willing to drop the price because it was worth it to them to clear it off the books. Yeah, they were going to cut him. If no teams offered a trade, they would committed to cutting him and it was kind of that so when the teams announced oh we're going to cut this guy next week and it's like oh does anyone want to offer us a late pick before we do it so a very very different scenario to the hey deandre hopkins isn't getting cut it's not on the roadmap for him to get cut and if someone wants to force a trade and give him a big deal they can do that and so people going oh they're comparing it's there you better compare it's like Mohammed sanu going for a second that's kind of where if loads of poor wide receivers have gone for day two picks. Um, the, the one guy that you could interest me in a, in a trade for, and I'd be interested in talking about it is Michael Pittman at Indy. If they're looking to move on from him, he's the one guy I'm not giving up 42 for him. Right. That's so what that's, it's going to take. Yeah. And that doesn't make sense to me because they know they're not going to pay him. So if we're talking about maybe I if we're talking paying. about a, I don't, you don't have the quarterback. But if you look at what that team's done with Chris Ballard, has never bothered them. And this idea that they're going to rebuild, they have just been bodding along as they've done, drafting linebackers, guards, refusing to address the quarterback <laughs> position. I, by the way, guys, horrendous. The second John Dorsey stops calling Chris Ballard on draft day to kind of give him shit, Jack's going to start calling him. Be like, hey, you see that guard that's out there? You should go out and pick him. He's going to be a PFF All-Pro and you're going to lose 10 games this year. Ha <laughs> click. So, but no, he's a guy I would I would ask about, but that's just because I want the size and the targets. So, I digress. Jack, there are some free agents out there. We've kind of covered the trade market now. We've covered the team. Let's talk about the actual... Uh, we're not going to go into drafts. It's way too far away. There's too much to go on combine. We'll talk about all that stuff later. Who knows? Maybe we'll get our wide receiver expert, O Ian or O Ian Jones, on here to talk about all his favorites. Now, Jack, before we do this, I want to go down a little road with Browns fans here. This won't take very long. There are different types of wide receivers. We can all agree to disagree of what the team needs, right? I made the mistake, or if I call it, of saying, "Oh, it'd be kind of funny if the Browns gave up a pick." to move up and get Jackson Smith and Jigba, who I think is the most NFL ready receiver in the draft. And everyone's like, no, 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 he's not the vertical deep threat. And I get that there's different types of receivers, right? There's the speed guy, the dynamic explosive, get over the top guy. I get it. There's guys that are really solid at intermediate routes. There's, we talked earlier about some of the guys in the short routes underneath type of things. We could all argue about what we think the Browns need the most, right? Everybody could say, oh, Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones are very good intermediate route runners. Even though we've seen Donovan Peoples-Jones over the top a couple times, we, we, we think that there's this need for this explosive receiver, the 4-3 guy that gets behind the defense. Then you have to ask yourself, is this Browns offense the type of offense that utilizes that type of threat, right? That, the idea is, well, Will Fuller was that in Houston, so Deshaun Watson's going to do that, right? That's the idea. 
So when we're talking about these free agents, know that we're, there's different kind of buckets. There's X's, Y's, and Z's. In essence, am I going deep? Am I staying underneath? Or am I going short and quick into the slot type receivers? We can all just banter back and forth about what we think that the need is. But just because you think that a guy is a vertical deep threat doesn't mean he's automatically coming to Cleveland. And just because a guy's not that doesn't mean that he shouldn't come to Cleveland. So I'm just going to sort of set the table. You've got Amari Cooper on 20 million a year. Donovan Peoples-Jones, they could pay this year. It's going to probably be 10 to 12 and a half mil a year. And that gets that deal done. That does not leave money for another big ticket wide receiver. With the exception of we've said Amari Cooper's probably got two years left at 20 mil. DPJ's got his money um, where they could extend this season or wait a year. If they go and spend, say, 10 million on a guy, I think then in a year's time, if it's not just a one-year deal, you're then getting rid of one of the other two. So you're either getting rid of Amari Cooper a year early or you're saying, hey, we're not going to extend DPJ. We've got this guy that we've just paid in free agency because generally if you get paid in free agency, you've got two years guaranteed. So I'm going to run through some expensive names. I'm pretty much out on all of them at that price point. I'm going to give a projected price in there as well, but I don't see these guys as um, legitimate options. They should go down. So I'll run through... I'm not even bothering him. Jacoby Myers, 16, is a straight up no. Juju, nice slot at 12 million, but it's not really what we need for me. Um, the return of OBJ at 11 million would be hilarious and fun. And just for reference, using PFFs, um, contract projections by five still out there. Somebody's going to have to show me this Jacoby Myers. Like, I get that they, they have him 40 million guaranteed, 64 total, four years, 16 million a year. Uh, I, I, I would love what that person's drinking, smoking, or consuming. The guy, the guy went like two years without a touchdown. The, the, the NFL is desperate. They will pay. I, I, I trust those guys, but Bears. God, no, the Bears don't. If you look at their money, they're they're not they're not gonna pay Jacoby Myers. Uh someone's gonna pay him. So the next up, offensive got, line, they're gonna overpay on the offensive line. We've got Michael Thomas, 12 and a half mil. Um, could be some incentives in there. You've got Chark at uh, about eleven point six million a year. You've got Lazard, that that for me is going to be the worst investment who ever does it at 11 million a year. Paris Campbell at 7.75 mil. Um, then I would throw in two other guys in Hardman um, that I think could be around 9 mil a year. Wouldn't surprise me if it's there. And then the other bigger ticket, uh, Slayton was a guy that I really liked and then actually had a really good year with the Giants. I think yeah, it could be like a, a one-year, seven million prove-it deal. Um, could be six, seven, but I think someone's going to go out and pay him. Um, they're all the guys that I just think it sits too high a price point for the Browns. Slayton, if that would have been about three, four mil, he's top of my list. Yeah, I well, I think the one guy that obviously Browns fans are most notably known with is Michael Thomas. I think you pretty much can, I mean, it's Denver. I mean, the, that makes a lot of sense. If he wants to go out there and revive his career, kind of be that wide receiver three at third bucket. He, If there's one place he's going to take the discount, it's to go back to Sean Payton. I think that's that's the easy one. None of those other guys interest me. Alan Lazard, I like Alan Lazard in the sense that he's a, a, a multifaceted receiver. But if you're telling me this guy's getting 30 odd million dollars, I'm like, okay, like, no, it just, they're not worth it. And the only other one on that list that you even mentioned that I would consider is Paris Campbell, but I have a hard time stomaching even the Cleveland guy at 8 million a year. He's never done anything. He's hurt. He's been hurt most of his career. The guy's hamstrings worse than, than mine. 
if they sign Thomas, do you think that increases the odds that Jerry Judy's actually moved? No. No. They're going to go all three. No, I think that if anything, Tom, Peyton would call Thomas and say, hey, listen, I'll give you one dear deal. This is what I can offer you. You're going to come here. You know my offense. You know you're going to get the targets. Sutton's going to be my big guy. You and Judy are going to be my primary receivers because they didn't crazy pay Sutton. Like he got a decent contract, but they didn't crazy pay him. He didn't get like Cooper money. So they don't, they're going to really kind of maybe probably bag the tight ends in that sense. They'll just use their Albert, a little, little one while I went away, whatever his name is. And then uh, Dulich, Dulcich, whatever his name is. But yeah, I see Peyton maybe being the one spot and he may call Sean and go and Sean, dude, I got no room for it. And he has to go somewhere else. But if that's the case, I think it's a cash grab. But again, we're talking about Thomas. We're talking about Paris Campbell. Even Lazard has battled some injuries. DJ Shark has battled injuries. You know, that's why I don't understand about Miko Hardman. I don't think he's a wide receiver. This is a guy that doesn't do anything. And if you take him off the Chiefs and put him somewhere else, he is poo-poo butter. He's nothing. So that's why these guys just don't interest me because none of them have shown a consistency to even stay on the field. And in the famous sayings of every athlete that you've heard, the best ability is your availability. And none of these guys I can rely on for availability, including Mr. Beckham, the fall asleep on the plane guy. So Juju injuries, Jacoby Myers can't score touchdowns. This wide receiver class is poo poo. We knew that let's throw this group in the trash then. And um, off to the bucket, they go. Do you want to throw out any names here before I throw out a few names that interest me? In terms of guys that I think will be interesting? As a three. So not guys that All right. let's not go straight into the depth of the Noah Browns and co. That All right. the Question, where do we rank? The only guy that I thought of, and I'm not sure where he stacks, where's the projections on Matt Collins? Um, where have I got Matt Collins? Because um, Hollins is that guy. Remember, he won the Super Bowl with the Eagles as their wide receiver three with Nick Foles. I think he gets it five million a year. Okay. So he's probably in the next bucket then? Yeah. Okay. Because the veterans that I'm thinking of would be Mac Hollins, Marvin Jones. That's probably Trent Sherfield. Sherfield to me is we're down a tier now. We're we're yeah. talking about a guy that's, you know, he's masquerading at the ball. You know, that's that's kind of there because now we're getting into all the guys that are, you know, unless you're talking about T.Y. Hilton, who from years ago. But at this point, the only two guys I wanted to talk about in that sense to me were Marvin Jones, proven obviously in the league as a veteran. And I think a guy like Marvin Jones and Deshaun Watson makes a lot of sense. And then Matt Collins. Those are the only two guys I want to talk before we get into this next crop. So the guys at the three option, I've got three in there. So I've got Sherfield that I touched on. Um, and these aren't flashy options. These are just me going. And when we get later in the offseason, I think we can spend high wide receiver, but the future has to come through the draft. Whether it's hitting somewhere in the second, third or fourth round, that's where the pick's got to come from. But three guys, all cheap. Sherfield at three million. But two million, T.Y. Hilton is somewhere I would consider going because you're just going to get old reliable there that he knows what he's doing. Watson knows what he's doing and they're just going to work it out. Yeah. And I think you saw that with Hilton. He was able to step right in with that Cowboys offense and make a couple plays. Right. And I think this is a guy that'll probably carry out most of the OTAs and probably won't sign till later. That's generally what these veterans do, but yeah, I'm in you are in, in the same boat as you pause. Ooh, that was a close one there, Jack. On my list, I had wrote Paris Campbell that I kind of put a note next to him 
contract at that money. If he comes down into this tier, this wide receiver three tier, maybe in the five, six million, I'm interested. I do have Slayton on here, but again, you're talking too much money, too little, too rich for my blood. Uh, Sherfield, I have on mine as well. The only guy I wanted to add, Zach Pascal. Obviously yep. made his made his cheese with the the Colts. Now is in Philly playing for the Super Bowl. So Pascal is one that I'm slightly interested in. Not for anything crazy. Guy's 29. I think he's on a million and a half this year. So we'll come to Pascal in one second. I want to throw one name out before we get there. He's, he's old. It's Marquise Goodwin. Mm-hmm. The, the sprinter. He's he's got speed. He, he's older, but initially at the combine he ran. Four point two seven. He's he won the fastest guy in the NFL. He's the fastest yeah. guy. He was at, he is track. He is Anthony Schwartz fast. Like, but he's played in the NFL for quite a few years. Yeah. If that you're a Browns fan me. that says I want the one guy that does that, that's what he does. He is a three route guy. I'm running fast, and I'm either turning to the left on a corner or a post. I'm either turning to the right on vice versa, or I'm not stopping. Now the thing about Goodwin. He's small. So when you are a sports car like that, the smallest dings and injuries can impact. But if you're a guy like Watson that trusts in your arm strength and you want to sit back and let one fly, Marquise Goodwin's a name. I mean, if you're literally saying, I don't want you to be a complete receiver, I want you to be the one-trick pony, he's the guy you call. And I believe his entire career has been trying to satisfy that one role. And the odd part is, is I don't see much difference between him and Miko Hardman, because they are literally of the same boot. I mean, when Goodwin came out of Texas, I mean, he's already accrued nine seasons. I mean, the most he's ever signed for is six six point six million a year APY. I mean, three million, six million, six million, one point two, one point two. So this is a guy that's never had a big contract because he's a one trick pony. So I don't understand how people think Hardman's going to get more than that. Hardman's not as good as him at that. Yeah. So. That, that's kind of the, the punt there. And then we've got a whole bunch of names. I think Pascal's one there. You could Dante Pettis in there, Hardy, Dunley. I, I burned out on him. Johnson, Noah Brown. You've got loads of these guys. And the issue I think you have with any of these players, if you don't want to guarantee the money, why would they come to Cleveland? Because yeah. it's not just, hey, Deshaun Watson, because I think that, that still sells. But their agent's going to do what we did at the start of the show. Look at that depth chart and go, you've got 12 guys on it. I, I'm, I'm not coming into this to battle where we've got three locks at the top. You've got Woods that's a strong chance. And then you, you're going to add, what, me? And then you're going to add at least one draft pick. Well, suddenly I that dude is battling all the other guys that we mentioned to try and get the final roster spot. And a UDFA may be in there. It's so tough to do so mm-hmm. people always really oh we've got no wide receivers why wouldn't they come well there is wide receivers on that and i know they're not exciting names but it's going to be a challenge for anyone to come with no guarantees yeah i think you're right and i think if i'm a guy like marquise goodwin i look at you and say well what are you doing with shorts because we know that that's the role that they intend right if they're going to run one for him that's going to be it at the end of the day, if there's a free agent that's going to come in for any bit of money, they're going to want to say, well, I need to be in the rotation higher than David Bell, who we've already said is a lock, right? It needs to be Jones, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Amari Cooper, and this guy. 
or they specifically say, hey, here is the offense. You know, we know that Stefanski is pretty good at saying, here's a packet. Here's what role you're going to play, right? It's the whole do your job mentality. So, you know, some of the guys on my list, I wrote Justin Watson, Pascal, Scotty Miller, Ashton Doolin, the, Mo- uh, the Malone kid, Miles Boykin, and Ola B.C. Johnson. They're going to have to come out and say, hey, here is your wide receiver three role. It's your role. We're going to sign you. You're going to make the team, right? We're going to bump out this guy or that guy or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, yeah, you're going to have to specifically designate a role and say, this is what your job is going to be. Scotty Miller, this is what your job is going to be. Trent Sherfield, Noah Brown, whoever. This is what you're going to do. You're going to come here for this much money and do this exact thing. And it needs to be something that they are proficient at. Yeah, and I think that's challenging. Obviously, a marquee's good when you can guarantee half a mil and he won't mind because he knows that it's all done and dusted. And hey, if you cut him before camp, he'd take that half mil and he'll sign with someone else and get more money. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be underwhelming what people expect from wide receiving free agency because people always like, oh, we need another wide receiver. And it's like, well, you potentially already got 30 million invested in two dudes. Um, if DPJ gets this extension, that does not leave money for anyone else. And it's not like you've got a cheap O-line to send that money or a cheap tight end to balance money or a cheap running back. You have got money in everything. Um, and it is going to be the most expensive offense ever created in the NFL um, next year. It's, it's, it's up there. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And some of that money is going to have to start shifting around because we know that when the big ticket item is there, you know, I, I, I don't know if you saw much on this controversy. Well, it's not really controversy, but a free agent safety out there, Justin or Julian Love came out and basically was dogging on Nick Sirianni. It was like, they got dogs from the top of their roster to the bottom. This guy doesn't do anything. That's where you want to get to, right? That's where you want to get the Browns to where saying, we've got six, five, six, seven, eight million dollar dogs up and down their roster that are just contributing, not this, you know, here's a 10, here's a 12, here's a $15 million guy. You know, I have no problem paying a guy like Joel Batonio the $10, $12 million because, you know, he's reliable. Every snap, he's going to be out there. You know, I hate to break the news to Browns fans, but on the heels of Joe Thomas going into the Hall of Fame, soon will be Joel Batonio. Like, I don't know if he'll be a first ballot, but I think that one day he's going to get fitted. I mean, you don't, you weren't the best guard in the league for six years straight almost. And I mean, arguably, you know, you're one of the top guards and don't eventually get in the camp. I it's going to be position. That, that is going to be the only thing. And if he can finish with a Super Bowl ring over the next sort of three years, then I think he's got a much stronger chance. Yeah. Well, I still think even on his play now, just being – he's arguably been a top three guard for better part of the last half decade. He better and not it, retire at the same time as Zach Martin because that will really hurt his chances. Well, Zach Martin was younger than him though, right? I, I don't know. He's been in the league. I mean, Betonio was second round pick 2014. I think Zach Martin was 2016. So either way um, – we digress. We're talking about wide receivers here. The guy that honestly has kind of piqued my interest and I'm going to watch him tonight is Justin Watson. I want to see him. This is the former fifth round pick out of Penn. 6'2", 216, runs a 4'4". You know, obviously coming from home, so you got to take it with a little bit of salt. But he's a guy I'm going to be taking a peek at. So I think he can play a role. He's 27, looking for that contract. Let's keep an eye on him tonight, Jack. I'm not saying he's going to like have some sleeper, but if he has a banger of a touchdown, this is going to be my Demarius Randall uh, hand the ball to Hugh moment. Just so you know, my little prediction, just keep an eye on Justin Watson tonight. 
Yeah, I know. So that's sort of a wrap up on everything wide receivers. We'll be back at some point uh, with tight ends. Um, the dreams get a show out every Monday, Wednesday, Friday during this spell, but we're not promising that. We're just going to uh, roll with it and see what happens. Yeah, listen, it's off season. We've got a little bit of time and we all know that kind of the big rooms are going to be quarterback, wide receiver and edge. So we got one of the big rooms left and all the other ones are kind of just, you know, more fill in spots. They don't have quite the importance, but, you know, D-tackle, I'm sure will be a, a position that a lot of people are going to tune in and listen to. So on that note, uh, I think we've we've talked a lot about wide receivers. Don't completely dog on other people's free agent suggestions just because it's not specifically the one role. Do remember that at this point, I think we only have one of the intermediate routes, so to say, with a, a check mark in the box. So don't be so quick to blow off guys just because, you know, they don't do one specific thing well. There's a lot of options out there. And I think with Stefanski, if we're going to be giving credit to a guy that knows how to run an offense and knows how to what they call levels the routes, right? So we're going to have a level concept. It's not the worst thing in the world to have multiple guys that can do similar things because then if all of a sudden you think Cooper's coming in on a drag and then he turns it up field, I mean, how often do you see it's like, oh, oh, here's my drag right up the seam. I go on a post and boom, there's the touchdown. So it's not the worst thing in the world. And I do give a guy like Stefanski the credit where if I give him more tools, tricks, and, you know, toys, he can make something out of it, especially if we think Watson can get to where he can. Yeah, and if you're interested in anything free agency, if you jump over to PFF, I've got all of my position breakdowns where we're going through like... You mean OBR? OBR. What did I say? Not PFF. PFF, yeah, I wish. Um, so if you go to the OBR, you've got all of them. We're talking like 60-odd free agents, every single position, every single player is being covered, all 641 free agents. I'm just not doing special teams. So there's a few that won't get covered because, hey, we're happy there. And then on top of that, Monday to Friday, I'm doing a free agency mock and just sort of running through a scenario of all the guys we could sign. So enjoy it. Jump over there. Have some fun. Um, I've been Ian. She's been Jack. Go Browns. Go Browns.